Welcome in. This is The Blackout, also known as the best college football pick and pod in the land. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. Mr. Denton, how are you doing? Hey, man. I'm, uh, I'm ready to, to get all kinds of fat and happy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Thanksgiving on the horizon. For those of you who don't know when we do our podcast, we record it on Wednesday night. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody who checks out the podcast at a later time. But Alan, you're exactly right. A lot of food on the horizon. And hey, man, like we talked about last week, there were some doubts about how you were going to be feeling this week. We had the Tennessee Volunteers visiting the Auburn Tigers. They lost, of course. But then your Titans came back and got you the win in overtime against the Baltimore Ravens. How are you feeling after this past weekend? Oh, my gosh. That, uh, thank God the Titans are good because the, the Vols are the anti-Titans at this point. I mean, they're terrible. They're awful. So it was, it was nice to for the, see them come back and um, get that dub against um, a formidable um, Ravens team. I was happy to see it that way. I knew that you could be sitting a little bit more relaxed coming into this week's show. So let's go ahead and get into it, Alan. Of course, as always, you can find the blackout at bellyupsports.com. Just click on the podcast tab. There you can find the blackout and you can listen and subscribe to the show. And of course, this is where we bring you our pick'em contest, all the prizes associated and everything else. But Alan, this is a unique show because we've got some cool stuff going on because we're recording in a brand new way tonight. We're recording on the Locker Room app. That's available in the Apple App Store on iOS. That's the only place you can get it right now. But this is a pretty sweet uh, deal because, hey, right now we have audience members. And for the first time ever, we're going to be able to record a show live and we can kind of interact with some people as we go. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's a new feature that that we're you know trying to expand and, and see kind of you know what we can do to connect with all kinds of people and make an even better, more interactive podcast as we move forward. Definitely. A trial run tonight. We'll see how it goes, but we're excited to see what kind of results we get as we go. So, Alan, as we always do, let's go ahead and jump back and look at our Week 11 standings because in the contest we're running, we've got to see where everybody stands. And, Alan, it was a big week this past week because we had, for the first time ever in, in this season's contest, we had a tie amongst four people for the weekly win. That was Garrett. David, Emma, also known as Aunt Emmy to me, Cameron as well. All of them had 96 points of the 105 we had available. So, man, a big, big weekend for those four winners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a great ended up being a great week of football um, after what seemed like a pretty lousy slate of games. And kudos to them. It it didn't help anybody that the leader of the entire board ended up coming away with a shared victory. The man is a machine. He absolutely is. That is Garrett. He remained in first place, again, picking up 96 points. This was his second weekly win of the season. So like you said, Alan, it's a tough spot for everybody, especially those at the top of the list, because, hey, you're saying, hey, we want to try and work our way, create a comeback situation against Garrett, but he picks up a weekly win and just creates a very, very difficult scenario for anybody to come back. So he is in a great position. Of course, 
There were only 105 points available last week. That is because the Clemson-Florida State game was canceled uh, right at the beginning of the day, early in the morning on Saturday. And uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But a lot of strife going back and forth between Dabo Sweeney and the Florida State program. And of course, Garrett leads the pack right now, like we talked about, with his win. Allen, this was big as well. He moved from a five-point lead in first place to 15 points up. So, like you said, he's been dominant, and it has just continued again into this week. Yeah, he has. And kudos to, to him. I mean, he made some some great choices last week, and uh, he's, he's not really made any missteps over the course of the year. And, of course, Garrett leads the pack for our grand prize at the end of the season. That is a $50 Visa gift card, a $100 gift card to championshipfootballs.com, and a T-shirt from Belly Up Sports. So $175 in prizes up for grabs. And Garrett, our leader, has a nice cushion right now as we work our way later into the season. Alan, let's go ahead and take a look at where you and I stand uh, after this past week. I finished in a tie for ninth in the weekly standings, picking up 91 of 105 points, going 11-3 in my picks. I fell from fourth place to fifth place overall, so still sitting in the top five. But the kicker for me, the tough part, was I fell from 19 points back to 24 points back. Alan, you finished in a tie for six this past week. You did a solid job. You came away with 94 of 105 points, also going 11-3 and three in your picks. And hey, you bumped up from eighth place to seventh place, so strengthening your position a little bit in the standings, but you also fell back in the standings just a little bit, according to the leader. 27 points back going into last weekend, 29 points back now. So what are your thoughts as we sit here now? It's just three weeks remaining in the Pick'em Contest. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be one of those weird things, especially you don't know exactly what this, the you know the next two weeks are going to hold. But this week seems seems like it's not going to be a huge swing week. So you're really looking at trying to make up thirty points in two weeks, which is going to be almost impossible to do. That's why I took some risks this past week, and uh, you know one of them almost paid off. UCF really, really almost pulled that one off and that would have been a big deal. But um, I took a risk on Oklahoma state and they totally laid an egg. They were awful on offense. I mean, just totally incompetent. Spencer Sanders was out of the game before you could blink. And um, yeah, they were just really, really bad. And Oklahoma was very impressive. I can't blame you for taking some risks. Like we talked about, you felt like you were in a position last week, trailing by those 27 points saying, Hey, I've got to make some quick ground up here somewhere as we hit our final stretch of the season. It didn't quite work out for you, even though you had a solid week. For me, I was kind of going, I'm still going to see where this week leads me, just picking things straight up how I like them. Uh, It didn't work out for me. Like I said, I lost five points to the leader. So very much, I think you and I are probably in the same boat at this point with the three weeks remaining. That's the final week here in November and then the first two weekends of December in our contest. So uh, some big stuff there. And Alan, one other thing to note before we really get into the pick segment is we had one contestant go nearly perfect. We document this each and every week because you have the opportunity to win weekly prizes in addition to the grand prize. Rebecca this week went 13-1 and in her picks. She was proud of it. She's a friend of the show, and her only miss was the Wisconsin-Northwestern game. Can't blame her there. But man, one pick away, she was the closest of anybody to getting a perfect slate. And of course, had she done it, she would have walked away with a prize pack of hot sauces 
from HoffandPepper.com. So she came very close, uh, but anybody who does that on a weekly basis gets their name thrown into a drawing uh, for one of those prize packs. Yeah, and it, you know, at this point, that this feels like a week that that somebody can get that, right? I mean, Rebecca nearly had an incredible week last week, but this feels like a week that if things fall the right way, some somebody. This is the first time that I'm thinking going into it. Somebody can snag it this week. Yeah, this one certainly does have potential for it. We've talked about it a few times. You have kind of those chalky weeks when you're talking about these confident style straight up pick 'em contests with uh, CBSSports.com is where we do our contest. When you have uh, the week like we have with a whole bunch of games that are, you know, larger than a single touchdown spread. Uh, If things go kind of chalky, then you're going to have a lot of people with similar picks, and uh, it could create an opportunity where a bunch of people have the opportunity, you know, outside of maybe two or three or four games, uh, they may be perfect on everything, and then it just comes down to those handful of games that might be very, very close. Yeah, absolutely. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and jump into this week's picks because we have 14 games on the board, 105 points available, and of course, our contest comes to you from cbssports.com. Like we talked about, we had one cancellation earlier tonight. Uh, Late this afternoon, we heard that there was a postponement between Oklahoma and West Virginia, so that took us down from 15 games to 14 games on our board. So for those of you who got your picks in earlier in the week, Uh, That means that uh, you're going to be seeing a difference if you log back on or if you listen to this and you already have your pick set. uh, Just know there are 14 games on the board now rather than the 15 we started this week with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that wouldn't have been one that um, had a, you know, a a ton of impact probably, but I mean, it it could have. It's, It's a shame that maybe the best game of the week was ended up being canceled. Yeah, Alan, let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes for the games on the contest this week. And again, just noting, hey, this is for the Saturday games because this is how these contests work. Alan, we're missing out on uh, some fun games this week because you've got Notre Dame, North Carolina. I believe that's a Friday game. Yep. You've got Texas, Iowa State, right? And that's yeah, a, that's, that's a, a Thursday Friday kickoff. So we're missing a couple of big ones that would have been really, really fun to be involved in this contest. Yeah, I'm really not sure why um, why a couple of those games weren't on Saturday, but uh, especially given the fact that um, they've really tried to allow as much time as possible, you know, in between. So kind of weird. Yeah, it would have been fun to have a lot of those, but, uh, you know, we still have a decent slate, a couple of good games. So like we talked about, a lot of big spreads this week. So, Alan, let's jump into the news and notes. We have some things to look at. I think a number of them don't really have that big of an impact on our games this week. But, hey, it's stuff to pay attention to as we dig deeper into the season. One of them, Kentucky at Florida. Again, not really a big impact on the game, but Florida tight end Kyle Pitts is expected back this week. He has been dealing with a concussion since the Georgia game. So that's big news for the Gators, but hey, it probably doesn't make much impact on this game. Yeah, exactly. It's not as big a deal for this game, but it's it's big for them going forward. To get to where they have the potential to go, they need Kyle Pitts, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about the Florida Gators being a dark horse right now for the college football playoff. Of course, they're going to have to go undefeated the rest of the way through the uh, through the rest of the season because of that loss to Texas A&M earlier. And then that'll give them the shot against Alabama to try and pull off the upset and make their way to the college football playoff. So a big deal for them if they can have him healthy on the field the rest of the way. Alan, another one in the SEC we need to look at is Auburn at Alabama, the Iron Bowl. We've got a couple of things to look at in this one. Auburn starting running back Tank Bigsby is questionable for this game. He had a hip injury last week against Tennessee. He missed some time there. And then, hey, we talked about this one earlier in the year, but it's actually come true this time. Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID-19. Because he has some symptoms, they're not even looking at it as a possibility like we had going into the Georgia game where they actually had a false positive and had all the negative tests follow up. So they're not even categorizing that as a possibility at this point. So uh, some big deals going on for this matchup between the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. Uh, What are your thoughts as we go into this weekend? Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal, but they've had some amount of preparation with this already. And so they, I think they know, but there's such a big talent gap between Alabama and Auburn that, and this year it's in Tuscaloosa that I don't think it's going to matter. But anytime you lose your leader, and especially as important of a leader as Nick Saban is, that that is going to have some manner of impact. I hate it for Nick that he actually got it this time, and you know that's kind of scary. But uh, you know, as far as as far as the game itself, it, it last year was it may have been the best game of the college football season. Yeah. Right. I don't know that it's going to have that capability this year, but you know, you never know if you get if you get really good Bo Nix. It very well could. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Auburn seems to be playing some better football at this point in time. I, I think the yep. Tank Bigsby deal for them is kind of a big deal. If he can't get on the field, uh, he's been an impact freshman for them. and He's been really helpful to that backfield. So if he's out, I think that hurts them an awful lot, uh, though I don't know that it it makes a huge difference in the game. Like you talked about with Nick Saban, of course, we just hope that he's he's fine and pulls through this okay because you know what? He's an older guy. Uh, we don't know exactly how his body's going to react to it, but happy to hear that at this point he has just mild symptoms to this to this point. Exactly. That's a that's a really good thing. Alan, other information we got to look at is Colorado at Southern Cal. Uh, Southern Cal has some interesting stuff going on in their backfield. They've got running backs Marquis Stepp and Stephen Carr listed as questionable this week. They've both had some injury concerns. And uh, from what I heard earlier, I think they both did practice earlier this week. So no guarantees, but at least some early signs that both Step and Carr could be available this weekend for the Colorado game. That's a big deal. I mean, because I don't know that there's, especially execution talent-wise, there's a pretty big gap. But execution-wise, there hasn't been that much of a difference between these two teams the first couple of weeks of the Pac-12 schedule. So, um, especially with USC having to pause team activities or practice for a couple days and just resuming today, uh, I think that could be an interesting matchup. Yeah, it really could be an interesting matchup for the Trojans. They've been an underwhelming team so far this year. Colorado, on the exact opposite side, has been much more impressive than I think anybody was anticipating. So they're not a great team by any means. They've struggled some on the defensive side of the ball. 
but I don't know that anybody thought that Colorado would have looked like they have on the field at this point. Alan, one last thing we've got to look at is the Georgia-South Carolina matchup, again, out of the SEC. Uh, This is some stuff that we've kind of hinted toward on the podcast in recent weeks, Uh, but because South Carolina wasn't in the Pick'em Contest last week, we didn't really uh, talk about it much. But Will Muschamp was fired. Of course, Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator, is going to act as the interim head coach. And then beyond that, a couple of the best players for South Carolina on their defensive side, starting cornerbacks J.C. Horn and Israel Mukuamu, are both... Uh, opting out. So they're done. They're probably got pro careers ahead of them. They're going to be draft picks come the spring, uh, but that's a big deal for the defensive side of the ball for the Gamecocks because they've struggled on that side a lot recently. Yeah, exactly. And especially with A.T. Daniels into the fold and, and looking like Georgia has a, a pulse in the in the thorough game again, um, that's not that it probably would have mattered, but I think South Carolina's pretty much checked out for the year. Yeah. Alan, are you ready to go ahead and look at some picks? Because I think we've covered most everything for the news and notes for this week's slate. Uh, But like we said, the Oklahoma-West Virginia game off the board. So we've got 14 games to look at. Are you set? Let's do it. All right, Alan. Last week, like we talked about, you had 94 points in the Pick'em Contest. I had 91. So why don't you go ahead and start us this week and uh, tell us where you are most confident for your value picks going into this weekend's slate. That sounds good. So I'm going to start with what probably should have been everyone anticipated being a really, really important matchup, um, but ended up being just has been a kind of a dud. And that's going to uh, Ann Arbor. So we're going up to Michigan versus Penn State. I'm going to say you need to move up Michigan. So Michigan right now is a two-point favorite at home against Penn State. Penn State obviously is 0-5 and has been severely underwhelming this year. And uh, Michigan was able to scratch and claw against the fighting Shianos last week. (laughs) Three overtimes. I mean, goodness gracious, what a terrible year it's been for both of those clubs. But I think for this week, Michigan is going to um, to be able to move the ball and score a bunch of points on them. So here's the thing. Penn State's defense is similar to Minnesota's, in, in my opinion. And earlier in the first game this year, Michigan dropped 49 on them. And we were thinking, wow, Michigan's the real deal. Here's the thing. Penn State's allowed more than 30 every single game this year. And they've only scored more than 30 one time. And so I'm thinking you can you might be able to – there might be a few folks that pick Penn State in this game, so you might be able to get a, a few points out of that. So I think you can bump Michigan up to that 4-5 range. Oh, Alan, we have comments on a value pick going uh, with the same game for the first time all year. So I have this one written down on my board as well. Uh, I did not have it originally as my top pick. That was going to be the Oklahoma-West Virginia game. Had to scratch that one <laughs> off the board. So, hey... My most confident pick also comes from this Penn State at Michigan game. Uh, What I'm looking at with this one, Alan, is, hey, you mentioned it. Penn State's been underwhelming this year. But I'm going to circle both teams because I'm going to say the exact same thing about both teams. They've both been terrible. It's been awful to watch. And uh, and, and, and there's no telling what it's going to take to turn one of these teams around. Um, But 
I think that there's some things to key in on, on what Penn State has going on, also what Michigan has going on that I think are important to this game. So you mentioned it, Penn State's given up 30 plus a bunch. Uh, They haven't been as great offensively, but hey, I'm going to say in a lot of these games, they've had some turnover issues, okay? Uh, That's something that could easily keep on going and it could be a problem for them going forward, but I broke it down looking at some of the statistical numbers from some of their matchups this year. Things just haven't gone well. And uh, you remember going back to the first game of the season, we talked about Penn State, Indiana. It was one of the more exciting games on the board that weekend. I went with Mm. Indiana in my picks. They won the game in overtime. But if you look at that game, we talked about it. The Nittany Lions were dominant. They outgained Indiana by 250 yards in the game. You go back to their game against Nebraska. They outgained the Cornhuskers by 200 yards. It was turnovers in both of those that allowed those teams to come up with the upset wins. So I think that Penn State, if they can protect the ball, you know, maybe they have something going on their on their side a little bit. Let's go back over to the Michigan side. Hey, they've won a couple of games. You mentioned the Rutgers matchup this past weekend where they were able to win in overtime. Hey, that's great. Whatever. I don't really care. Uh, but <laughs> you look at what they've done against better competition against Indiana. The Wolverines were outgained by about 100 yards. Uh, against Wisconsin, they were outgained by about 250 yards. I'm saying uh-huh. that Penn State has about the same talent level of what you're seeing with Indiana and Wisconsin. In those games, Michigan was badly outperformed by those teams. So I'm saying, hey, Penn State's been disappointing. If they have packed it in and they're going to give up, then, hey, they might just get beaten this game. But they have an 0-5 start for the first time in school history. Alan, I'm telling you, it's not going to go to six. I'm going and putting my money with Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson. I think it helps that looking at Jahan Dotson, he came away a couple weeks ago talking about, hey, these performances we're putting up is are unacceptable. He's been vocal and he's been leading this team saying, hey, we need to bounce back. So I'm looking at this going, hey, when Michigan's played more talented teams, they've been outperformed badly. And I'm saying with Michigan as a two-point favorite, like you mentioned, they'd be a one on your confidence board. I'm taking Penn State and I'm going to slide them up to like a three or a four because I I think that, like you said, this one could be split, uh, but I think that Penn State might have the better roster and that Michigan injury they had on defense with Aiden Hutchinson. I like what Penn State should be able to get going in the running game. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm going to be crossing my fingers that the Nittany Lions come away in this one. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, that's a risk worth taking, right? I mean, at this point, you know, they, with them out gaining Nebraska a couple of weeks ago, this past week, Iowa just manhandled them, beating, beating them 41 to 21. Michigan hasn't been overly impressive, like you said, against what we would consider equal um, competition in, in their shared matchup with, Indiana, Penn State fared significantly better. So Indiana only beat Penn State in a very lucky fashion, 36-35 in overtime. And then, you know, Michigan got blown out by him, 38-21. And and that game could have been far worse than it even ended up being. And, and so I agree that that Penn State's talent level and their the potential for the quarterback play could be could be much higher. They have a much higher ceiling. I think they're a want to is probably not there. The fact that that they that Michigan at least showed up and beat a, a you know 
a Rutgers team that's not very good, but <laughs> they still at least beat them. I mean, Penn State's not beating, you know, literally anyone. And so Maryland even routed them. So, you know, that that being the case, I, if if the want to is there, I can most certainly see that Penn State could could definitely beat them and move it up and down the field. I don't know if the want to is going to be there. Yeah, and that is the big concern because, hey, if this team doesn't have the desire, then they're going to lose this game. Uh, but yep. I think that a game against a Michigan that's also had a bad year, it, it's still Michigan. They still have, you know, uh, the Wolverines written across their chest and all that kind of stuff. They still have a little bit of a target. So I'm saying, hey, I think the motivation might be there. Again, some of the more experienced players on the offensive side, I kind of like that. Uh, Michigan has some question marks offensively, even in a downfield passing game. So I kind of like that with Penn State. And uh, I just think, hey, if you're sitting here where we are on the board, uh, back in that, you know, five, six, seven range, down by twenty-five or thirty points on the board. I think Penn State could offer a lot of value for somebody to gain a maybe four, five, or six points uh, if if some of the leaders pick them at a high enough value. Like you said, if they're going for Michigan. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can you can get a few points there potentially, which is like you said, if you're if you're to the point, you know, you're twenty, thirty points back. That's a chance to to snag a few points. All right, Alan, where are you going with your second value pick? All right, my sec my second value pick. I am I'm going to the Pac-12 and I'm saying that you're going to want to slide USC down the board. I alluded to this earlier. They're 10 and a half point favorites at home against Colorado. Colorado is 2 and 0. They've played in two you know, fairly tight games and have managed to to win one on the road at Stanford um, and, and then uh, beat UCLA at home. And UCLA showed a pulse this past week and almost beat Oregon. So maybe that UCLA team is, is not as bad as maybe we previously expected. That game ends up being about, a, a you know, a four or five on your board confidence level. I'm thinking that needs to be, you know, a, a little lower. That may be my one or two. Colorado's just found a way, and USC has been underwhelming. And as you and I talked about a few minutes ago, they were just cleared to resume practice today in preparation for that home game against Colorado. So at the very minimum, I'm sliding USC down. I could see a potential upset here as well. I, uh, I, I had a similar feel when I first looked at this one. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where I land on this thing because, hey, like we talked about, Colorado's been pretty good. My concern for the Buffaloes, though, would be the defensive side of the ball. You know, they've been yep. playing kind of shootout fashion. Offense scores a bunch. It's been operating, I think, a lot better than people anticipated. But the defense has been bad just like a year ago. So when you're looking at a Southern Cal team that, you know, looked really bad, honestly, in the first two weeks, but somehow came away with a win, uh, the question I have for them is going, hey, they kind of figured out things this past week against Utah. Has Southern Cal kind of turned that corner? And are they, you know, maybe living up to a little bit more to the potential I'm not sure because a lot of people put them on upset watch against Utah, but Southern Cal was in control in that game. So uh, I don't know exactly where I'm going to have this one. Of course, I'm going to stay on the side with Southern Cal as well. I'm not going to pick an upset, uh, but I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to put it at point value level. Exactly. And we've already seen that line, I think, move a little bit, actually lower a little bit. Earlier in the day or earlier in the week, I'm fairly certain, that line would have been uh, a little bit higher and that would have been closer to a seven or eight. And so 
either that line has moved or some of the other lines have moved and kind of alongside it. And so I think that, you know, maybe a little bit more money's coming in on Colorado covering that spread, which anytime you see those lines moving like that, it's important. It is very important to watch. Alan, for my second value pick this week, I'm going back to the Big Ten and I'm looking at the Maryland Terrapins at the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, For this one, Alan, it's another interesting matchup because we're looking at another team like Maryland that has overachieved this year. You know, nobody expected them to come out and play the way they have. They've come away with a couple of wins. uh, But I think there's some important things to look at with them. Uh, They have not played since November 7th. That was the win at Penn State that we alluded to just a bit ago. Uh, The reason I kind of pay attention to this one, and and it plays into my last value pick as well, why I'm siding with Penn State, is because Penn State was coming into this matchup against Maryland off their loss to Ohio State. At that point, the Nittany Lions were 0-2, and I think there's a big reason why they would have felt deflated, uh, you know, just kind of allowed Maryland to step up and, and, and take a win there. You know, I think that's where you've seen some of the poor motivation from Penn State. I think it's been in the recent weeks they've played a little bit better. So with that one, you know, Maryland, sure, give them credit for it. They won, but I'm not overly impressed by that game uh, just because I think there might have been some layover uh, with the Penn State team coming off of that Ohio State loss. Like I said, they haven't played since then. There have been a bunch of COVID issues with Maryland, so that's a concern. Talia Tungavaloa, the brother of Tua, has done a good job at starting quarterback. Uh, I haven't watched him play personally, uh, but I think he's had more success against bad defenses. When you go back to the Northwestern game early in the year, they struggled a bunch offensively. You flip it over to Indiana, uh, they've got some good things going. Even in the loss to Ohio State, Michael Penix, Ty Freifogel, Watt Fillier really had things going in the passing game. Uh, I guess the concern for this one would be, does Indiana have kind of a letdown after that deflating loss to to Ohio State. You know, they were down big in that game, but then they fought all the way back and had opportunities to try and tie the game. Uh, do they come into this one kind of flat? I'm kind of leaning on, hey, this Indiana team's very experienced. They're an older group. I'm going to side with saying, hey, I think they've got experienced, mature players who should be able to bounce back. And I'm not really sold on Maryland being a great team. So, Alan, Indiana is favored by 11 points, uh, according to CBS Sports. That would put them at either a 6 or a 7 on your board, according to the spread. But I'm saying, hey, I'm going to trust the experience, the veteran leadership of Indiana. I like Tom Allen as head coach. I'm going to slide the Hoosiers up my board from a 6 or a 7 up to about a 9. I think you can find two, maybe three points of value there. Yeah, uh, Indiana has proven themselves to be consistent. You mentioned that they're veteran. They've got multiple weapons on offense and a quarterback that has been able to to get the ball to them consistently and without turning the ball over. You know, last week, you know, maybe Ohio State let off the gas a little bit, but I mean, credit Indiana for forcing Ohio State to 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 work a little bit. You know, that that game ended up being really, really tight. They've given them the best game of, you know, uh, that Ohio State's played in conference and, and you know, in a bit. And so uh, I, I like, I like that pick because I really like this Indiana team and Tom Allen just gets, is getting the best out of these players. Yeah. And one other piece of information I'll give you for this matchup. One other reason I like the Hoosiers is because this Maryland defense is giving up more than 225 rushing yards per game. 
Now, this is a weakness for Maryland going against a weakness for Indiana. Because while Indiana is experienced, they have really, really struggled in the running game. But Stevie Mm -hmm. Scott is a big physical running back. And I think that Indiana could get that running game going. And if they do, I think it just enhances Indiana's value in this matchup all the more. So going against a bad rushing defense in Maryland, I like that matchup for Indiana. Hey, if they don't run the ball great, that's just kind of what they've continued doing all year. And I still like them in this matchup. But if they get the ground game going against a bad rush defense, I think it enhances them all the more. Agreed. For my one, I'm gonna I'm going to the Big Twelve on this one. So I'm again going kind of lower in the board, more of a 50-50 type game. Baylor is hosting Kansas State. Now, here's the thing. Baylor is a five and a half point favorite right now, which would be a, around a two. But one of the things that I noticed is that many people are picking Kansas State. Right. So on not necessarily overall like money line, but like most of the people in our group are picking Kansas State based upon the percentages. I'm picking Baylor in this game, and I think that they're going to to cover. Will Howard really struggled last week. He actually has more interceptions than he does touchdowns. Baylor has played pretty good defense for the most part. You know, they lost a couple of weeks ago against Texas Tech by one. They've had a lot of close losses. They lost in two overtimes to West Virginia. They've lost uh, Texas only by 11, TCU by 10, and Iowa State by 7. They're playing pretty well. Charlie Brewer's kind of figured it out. 11 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. I'm actually bumping up Baylor a few points and uh, maybe getting a, a couple of points just based off several people are um, in our own group are picking Kansas State. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I saw the exact same thing you did. Uh, A low percentage of people on the Bears, even though they're favored in this matchup. I think that's just kind of a deal where people go, "Ah, you know what, Kansas State has been decent this year. They got the Oklahoma win. Uh, The only reference people have had in these pick'em contests for a Baylor is they've been pretty much getting beat by everybody when they've been in the contest. So I think that's where that comes from. Uh, But like you said, they're favored in this matchup. I probably don't have quite as much confidence in this one as you do, but I think I'm on the same side. I just think, hey, man, this might be a kind of low-scoring, ugly game where neither offense is really truly successful and uh, maybe a turnover or two kind of flips this game. So I think it's going to be pretty low on my board, but I think I'm siding with you as well with the Baylor Bears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've um, they have been a bit inconsistent, but they've played in a lot of close games. Chances are this will be somewhat fairly close. Baylor is hosting. I think they're going to be able to turn over Will Howard a couple of times. And if that was a problem dating back to even when Skylar Thompson was the quarterback. They were turning the ball over a lot and being outgained, but they were getting turnovers a lot. I think Charlie Brewer with his legs is going to be able to limit that enough to be able to to make sure that they get the win. Yeah, that'll be an interesting to watch. And that one could be one of those games where there are a lot more split picks inside our group. And so that'll be an important one to end up on the right side. Because like we've talked about, there are a lot of big spreads this week. There are going to be a lot of games where, hey, maybe every single person in the group picks it the same way. So this will be one of those ones uh, where you definitely want to figure out what side you want to be on to come away with that value. Alan, for my final value pick, 
this is more some food for thought. I haven't determined exactly what I'm going to do with this one, but I just got some interesting things to look at for the LSU at Texas A&M matchup. Uh, Alan, we're looking at a deal where LSU has been up and down this year. We've talked about that a good bit on the show. They're coming off a 27-24 win at Arkansas. Give them credit. They got the win. Uh, but it was a tight, tight matchup. Arkansas had opportunities to maybe come away with that win. And Alan, I don't know, how much of this game did you watch? I watched a, a little bit of it. I didn't get to watch a ton of it, unfortunately, because I was moving my sister. And so I was carrying a bunch of dang boxes up and down stairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was keeping up with it on my phone. And sure. I was, you know, I'd chosen LSU to win that game. Yeah. Um, TJ Finley starting to improve as a quarterback. He is, but I have uh, some interesting information from that game. Uh, I caught, I thought I heard this on the broadcast. I've gone back and looked it up. Did you know that the Razorbacks only had 56 scholarship players on the field available for the game? No, I did not. They had a whole bunch of injuries, a whole bunch of COVID, and a whole bunch of contact tracing as well. So uh, with Arkansas, they had a bunch of dudes missing. Uh, I even saw reported they had six defensive linemen missing from this game. Uh, I think what I heard on the broadcast were at least a couple of their starting defensive linemen were off the field. And the bits of the the game that I saw, because, hey, I was bouncing around between a lot of different stuff. TJ Finley did have a lot of success. But, man, he had all day to throw. It seemed like every single time he dropped back in the pocket, it was just five, six seconds where he was able to scan the defense. And, hey, they've got talented receivers just waiting for somebody to come open. And and Arkansas, I thought, was very, very competitive for what they were limited to roster-wise. But it was a big, big impact in this game. So I'm looking at this week's matchup against Texas A&M and going, hey, Texas A&M, much more talented. Their defense has been good this year. They've been good against the run. On the other side, LSU has not been good in the run game. And then, hey, you say maybe Texas A&M's given up some yardage in the passing game. Maybe that's somewhere that LSU can exploit them. But I'm going, hey, look at who Texas A&M's played this year. They've played Florida. They've played Alabama. Maybe the two best passing offenses in the entire country. So some of those statistics defensively, I think, are uh, working against the Aggies. And I think in this matchup, you're just going – Man, this Texas A&M team seems like they're maybe hitting their stride a little bit. We saw them blow out South Carolina recently heading into this matchup. You're going, man, is LSU really turning the corner? Or did they just come away with a win against an undermanned Arkansas team that had a bunch of issues going into the game? And I'm just saying, hey, Texas A&M is a 14.5 point favorite. That would put them at about a 9 on your board. There's a big gap in between them and the other spreads. But, Alan, I'm just thinking – I kind of like Texas A&M in this matchup because the last time we saw LSU go out against, you know, a semi-reasonable opponent in terms of quality of matchup, in terms of roster and four stars and five stars, that kind of thing, it was the Auburn Tigers. And Auburn absolutely destroyed them. So I'm just saying, man, I I don't know for sure, but I think Texas A&M, maybe if you have a couple of doubts in some of those higher 
favored teams above them. Texas A&M may be a team to slide up your board a spot or two. So I'm looking at Texas A&M. I'm kind of flirting with the idea of sliding them from a nine, maybe boosting them to a 10 or 11 on my board, just depending. So I'm going to kind of look at that as the week goes on. Uh, But that's just, uh, like I said, some food for thought for everybody to think about what happened in last week's game. Totally agree. Did not realize Arkansas was down to 56. I mean, that's right there just a couple away from being on the line where they could have applied to, to get out of the game. Right. And, yeah. um, but I mean, kudos for them to, for, you know, to them for playing that game. I, I will say that I'm totally with you on this. I think A&M has found their stride. This may be closer maybe than it would have been a couple of weeks ago or if A&M would have played a couple, you know, within the past three weeks because they're, they're probably going to be a bit rusty. However, I think over the long term that all the things that you said are really, really important. You know, Auburn against Tennessee, they hadn't played in three weeks and the first quarter and a half, they were pretty rusty. I think we can kind of expect to see the same thing against uh for for a&m against lsu but i think overall they their defense will be able to to hold tj finley as you mentioned lsu just cannot run the ball effectively and their defense has been pretty porous and and a&m's offense before their covid shutdown had been really getting going dropping 48 on the road at south carolina Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because that is one of those games that's kind of on that fringe level of, uh, you know, it's a large spread, but it's not one of the massive ones we have on the board. Uh, But do you look at any of those big favorites and go, hey, I have some doubts. I kind of have some lingering in my mind, uh, Mm -hmm. but I'll I'll, I'll be interested to see where Texas A&M ends up on people's boards. Alan, I think that wraps it for the show. Of course, if you want to track along with us or join any of the contests, compete for any prizes, you should follow us on Twitter. You can find Alan at AD on the blackout. You can find myself at TB on the blackout. And you can follow the show on Facebook and on Twitter by searching at the blackout pod. Alan, of course, one of the biggest things people can do is rate and review the show. You can do that on Facebook and Apple iTunes. There's a bunch of ways to help us out, but those are some of the biggest ones. Massive. Huge. Huge. Do it. <laughs> rate and review us. That would be that would be fantastic. All right, Alan and everybody else, make sure you have a great Thanksgiving, whether you're visiting people or not. Stay safe, stay healthy. And of course, until next week, it's been a blast. Alan, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And my parting words are pecan pie is severely overrated and pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie are much, much better. (laughs) I love the words of wisdom. Alan, stay safe this week and uh, we'll check back in with you for another Pick'em Rewind and a Pick'em Pod next week on the show. Yes, sir. Thanks, my dude. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.